Welcome to episode number 125 of the Jackson Hole Connection. Recording right here, international headquarters from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. This episode's sponsor is Prue Real Estate. Should you have any questions about real estate in Jackson Hole, give Dan Vizoski or Greg Prue a call or visit Prue.com. That's P-R-U-G-H.com to search current listings. Good morning, good afternoon, happy day, wherever you are listening. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host. My mission is to bring you a fascinating story of real people connected in some way to Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole's full of inspiration, liveliness, and excitement, which pulls people here like a powerful magnet. These people share their stories with you and I each week, and the story sharing allows us all to learn about other people's lives, which can help us live full lives. A quick note, one of my former guests, Lisa Finkelstein, Dr. Lisa Finkelstein, now has her own video cast. It's called Beyond Telehealth. You can find it at beyondtelehealth.org and you can see those video casts that Dr. Lisa, Dr. Fink as she's known in the Valley and what she's talking about with telehealth. And moving on to today's guest, Story Clark. Story has a long and deep history right here in the Valley of Jackson Hole. It all began with her family roots being planted by her grandfather and then her husband's grandfather as well. Story has not just lived here in Jackson Hole, but has helped steer how our community thinks about the balance between growth and conservation. Story has been involved at the level of working at our county in the planning department to starting nonprofits, which encourage and have a mission of conservation. Now, Story has embarked on an adventurous journey to combine modern technology with one of the oldest forms of communication, storytelling. Through her business, Travel Stories GPS, Story and her team are enriching experiences through stories brought to you using a digital platform. As you listen today, Story will entertain you with her own personal story and inspire your interest to hear many more stories using Travel Stories GPS. Story, thank you for joining me here at the Jackson Hole Connection for another fabulous interview. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So Story, I like to start the interviews by people sharing their path to landing and being connected to Jackson Hole. Would you like to start off with that this fine day? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So um, I used to come out here as a child to visit my grandfather. My grandfather actually, I guess we wouldn't call it homesteaded, but he did uh, acquire with a partner some land back in about 1923. And then he purchased a couple of homesteads after that, um, right up near where you get you the trailhead for Bradley and Taggart Lake. Uh -huh. So if you're familiar with the climber's cabins, that's my grandfather's former ranch. Oh, and cool. he came out here early on. He came out here one summer to visit um, some friends who had a cabin on Lee Lake. And whenever I go up to Lee Lake, I'm, I always marvel at how beautiful and solitary it is now. And to imagine it as he described it, 
with cabins and all kinds of commercial ventures along it. It's just kind of hard to believe. But anyway, he came up and stayed in one of those cabins. He was from Pennsylvania and he fell in love with Jackson Hole, as we all have done. And he came back the next year and uh, having met a surveyor here, and the sur- he asked the surveyor to find some land that had not been deeded and also to see if there were any other pieces that he could acquire. And of course, in those days, it was not expensive to acquire land in Jackson. And he found this kind of odd shaped piece, piece that he turned into the climber's cabins. But in those days, his vision was to bring um, boys out here for a summer camp. So he came out the next year and had actually asked in the previous year that his partner build some buildings for him so that when he arrived with these boys from back east, there would be places for them to stay. Well, it had been a very, very late winter and they had tried desperately hard to get the cabins built. But when he arrived with all these boys, there were no cabins and there was a lot of snow. So that was kind of the first project for the kids was to build a a few cabins so that they would have a place to stay. And some of those cabins at the Climbers uh, Ranch are still original from when my grandfather built them. And then for many years, he ran this boys camp. And it's kind of amazing. I mean, I can't imagine entrusting my, you know, 14 year old son to uh, take a, a train or a car across the United States for three months. They came out here and um, he charged $800 per kid for the summer. And my grandfather was a crazy baseball player. He had played baseball in high school and in college. And so he always fielded a baseball team and they would come down to Jackson and play the Jackson team. If they could get across the Grovant, they would cross at Mainers Ferry on the ferry in a car. And then they'd have to see whether they could cross the Grovant because it might be too high. And if they couldn't, they'd take Mainers Ferry back and go back up to Moose and do something else. But there's some wonderful newspaper articles from the Idaho Falls newspaper of the Idaho Falls team coming over to play the Jackson team and uh, expecting to beat them as they, at least in the papers, said they always did, and running into this team from Moose uh, that they couldn't beat. So just a lot of, you know, fun little sports, uh, glimpse into the sports in the 1920s in Jackson Hole when people weren't They weren't all just riding horseback and rodeoing. So anyway, I would come out to visit him. And then coincidentally, I met a guy in college who also his family had a place out here. So we would, we had that shared interest and he's now my husband and I live um, on his family's ranch, which is Snake River Ranch. So I've spent a lot of my early time in Jackson. I've been here about 43 years, spent a lot of my early time in Jackson you know, helping him ranch and um, enjoying this incredible uh, ranch that we're just so lucky to be part of. It's a huge family, but I feel very lucky to be part of that. But as soon as I got to Jackson to live, I went and worked for the the planning office, Teton County Planning Office. And then I um, went to do other things that I can tell you about, but that was sort of where I landed when I first started living here. Wow. What a fabulous introduction story. (laughs) It's a little um, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I think from all of the stories that I've heard from people in the history, that's the first time I've heard about a baseball team back then. And <laughs> the challenges of crossing the Grovant River. 
and uh, people not realizing that there was a bridge <laughs> or it was a challenge. There were lots of challenges back then. Fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank my grandfather. He was the one I, who, who did it. <laughs> I, I certainly will if, um, if I ever meet him. <laughs> now, the ranch, your husband's ranch, your, the family that you're a part of now, the Snake River Ranch, that has a, a, a long history here as well. And it's, it's still a working ranch, correct? Oh, very, very much so. It's a working ranch. And it was um, first started just a couple years after my grandfather came here. So, you know, there weren't a lot of people in the valley then, and, and they likely met at church and knew each other a little bit. They both were on the west side of the snake. And my husband's father came out to visit some friends, just like my grandfather did. And when he was 11 years old, and I think there was one phone in town and he would call his parents occasionally. And he called his father sometime during the summer and said, dad, you have got to come out here and we have got to buy a ranch here. Hmm. He was 11 years old and based on sight unseen, his father actually bought a piece of property here uh, that was the beginning of the Snake River Ranch, just based on his 11 year old son's uh, <laughs> enthusiasm for being out here. And then the next year, his father, my, my husband's grandfather came out here and uh, said, yep, this is, this is what I want to do and built up the ranch. And at that time, there were a lot of pieces. This is in the early thirties. A lot of um, small homesteads were going under, mostly because the Homestead Act provided for people to buy 160 acres or to acquire 160 acres. It's just not enough. To, to really have a ranching livelihood. So they just were not able to make it in the early thirties. Of course, it was the depression too. And so he was able to acquire a lot of pieces and many of the pieces of the ranch, actually all of the pieces of the ranch are named for their original homesteader roots. So we live at the Giltner place, which is named after the Giltner family uh, when they left. So he built up a ranch. My grandfather did not up in Moose. He just kept a small piece up there, but my um, my father-in-law and grandfather-in-law did build up this ranch and it's been running cattle since uh, the late 20s and continues to run cattle to this day. Fabulous. Yes. Very iconic uh, ranching family in this, in this community. They've done a lot for this community. Thank you. Yeah. We, I have to say our roots, we strongly believe in conservation. And when I came out here, I was a pretty strong conservationist. And so it was a very natural fit for me to work with my family to help them conserve the ranch. And they've conserved a great deal of it and will be doing more. Spectacular. Thank you. Now, Story, we talked before the show started about your name. And I'd love to know the history of your parents giving you the name Story. Well, the crazy thing is I have three younger brothers and their names are Joe, Chris, and Lawrence and very normal names. And I, as the oldest, was given this completely bizarre name, Story. And um, it's spelled just like a storybook, S-T-O-R-Y. And there is some great, great relative, my great grandmother, or some relative whose maiden name, maybe it was my great, great, whose maiden name was Story. But honestly, I never found out why my parents picked that name for me. Definitely it's a family name, but it wasn't sort of a 
uh, readily available family name. So I really can't tell you much more than the fact that I ended up with this name that uh, in my early years was a challenge, but definitely helped me build character. And uh, I had to use it not in my first career, but in what this is probably my third or fourth career in my company's name, Travel Stories GPS. Which I want to hear, we're going to get into in, in just a little bit about Travel Stories, Story GPS. Now, how was your name a challenge? Well, you know, tell me a story. I got teased. Everybody had the same jokes about my name. You know, it was a lot of teasing. I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. I grew up in the South, as you can tell from my thick Southern accent, <laughs> and I got picked on quite a bit just from the name and being in the South and different, being different. Kids being can be cruel, different. but it does build character and resilience for sure. And you've had many different roles here in the Valley. Like you've said, when you first came here, you worked for Teton County and you worked in the planner's office. And, and now you have your own business. What all have you done in between that first job with at the Teton County Planner and then up to now to being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I worked at Teton County Planning Office at an amazing time. It was when the county was really deciding that they wanted to have some planning here. And there hadn't been, and there had been lawsuits about some of the development that have been proposed and that'll, those alone are super interesting stories that, you know, someday maybe when we do a second podcast, I can tell you about, but yeah. the community really rose up and said, we love Jackson Hole. We love how it looks. It feels, we love the wildlife. We want this to continue. And at that time there was a lot of development pressure uh, on the, on the landscape, which was not obviously nearly as developed as it is now. And the community really came together to, to help support planning here. Now, planning has always been very, very controversial. But when I was part of it, and it was very controversial when I was working as a planner, we're in the early days, and it was a very simple plan that everybody could understand. And some people didn't like it. And there were some pretty serious um, demonstrations against it sort of hard to imagine in Jackson Hole. But at one point, um, there were dump trucks and pickup trucks and every form of construction, a vehicle circling the courthouse for a day to prevent people from getting in the courthouse to testify on behalf of, of the plan. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to political on that, but it was, when you think about today and some of what we're seeing, there was a bit of that. And we're talking a long time ago. So anyway, I worked there for several years and it was really, really interesting. Um, but what I felt was that the community that wanted planning was not really being represented by any organization. And that was true of a lot of people. They felt that. So uh, a large group of people got together and formed what was called the Jackson Hole Alliance for Responsible Planning, which is, now has a shorter name. And I ran that for many years or several years. And then I got very interested in private land conservation because what I really liked was that the ranchers and landowners in this valley were willing to conserve their own land and make real sacrifices in terms of development uh, opportunity and, and money to keep the land the way they loved it. And so I really wanted to be part of that movement. So 
I helped start what's called the Jackson Hole Alliance, excuse me, the Jackson Hole Land Trust. And the Land Trust is thriving today. They have a wonderful new executive director, Max Luddington. And they've done incredible things over the years. And I worked for the Land Trust for many years and really got my feet wet in deal making because we had to make deals. We had to raise money. One of my first big deals was protecting the Hardeman Meadows. And we worked with wonderful Hardeman family to purchase that piece of property. It's the first purchase that the Land Trust had ever made. And we had to raise $2 million in three months. And I had never raised more than $70,000 for the Land Trust. So it was quite a summer and an exciting time. But I got very interested in helping these landowners uh, conserve their lands and doing it permanently so that as we drive around the valley, a lot of the open space that you see is permanently protected forever by the Jackson Hole Land Trust. So there's some big challenges ahead, some big important pieces of land that still deserve to be protected, but we, we were able to accomplish quite a lot. And then the land trust went on under other leadership for many years and more properties were protected. And I think Max is going to take uh, the land trust to uh, an even higher level. So go Max. <laughs> go Max. So um, after that, I, I left and started a consulting business, a national consulting business, helping land trusts and foundations around the United States be creative about where they found money for land conservation. So really, like most nonprofits, the, the um, nonprofits that I'd worked with had either gone to donors or to foundations for money. And uh, at the Land Trust, we'd gotten a little more creative about it. And I started getting very interested in being more creative about finding sources of money. And so I actually taught in the summer an executive training class. Well, first I wrote a book called A Field Guide to Conservation Finance. And conservation finance is this term for more creative sources of money for conservation acquisitions. So um, I wrote that book and then I started teaching an executive training session at, at Yale and Stanford for 10 years, really trying to tap into the creative entrepreneurial uh, efforts that were being made by land trusts across the United States. And it really was an opportunity for leaders all around to come and learn about the latest in conservation finance. So uh, I did that for many years and also had um, clients all over the US who wanted to have me help them brainstorm on new sources of money. And so it was really, really fun. But what I realized was that we were still preaching to the choir. And until conservation could preach to a larger audience, we weren't gonna be able to save the world. <laughs> and so, or at least save nature. So I got very interested in the smartphone and it had just come out and it didn't even have GPS on it. But I thought, wouldn't there be a, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could reach the people on these phones and we could reach them while they're seeing stuff, while they're there, they're smelling, they're seeing, they're standing in a place and tell them great stories about what they're seeing. Couldn't we enrich their experiences and really provide a new currency for connecting them with land, and that would be storytelling. So, you know, if I tell you how tall the Grand Teton is or who the latest person who climbed it is, you'll forget that. You might not, but I would forget that in a second. But if I told you a great story about the Grand Teton, you might take that home 
tell your friends, tell your family. And it really might spread the word about how wonderful Jackson Hole is. And it also really might deepen your connection to Jackson Hole because you have a story that you remember. So I decided to start a company that would pair the greatest communication tool of our time, which is the smartphone, with the greatest communication tool of all time, which is storytelling. And I started Travel Stories GPS with the mission of using those two tools, storytelling and the smartphone, to deepen and enrich people's connection to place, whether it's a downtown for economic development or whether it's a natural location uh, or a place you drive by or walk through. So that's how Travel Stories got started. Travel Stories GPS got started. And it's a mission-driven company really to create these memorable connections to place. Whoa. <laughs> Wowzers. <laughs> I, I, I love it. And it, to begin with, thank you for the work that you have done. And I do look forward to hearing some of that history that you have, especially about the planning side of things at, at another time. But I, I do want to hear more about and is it travel story or travel stories GPS? Yeah, it's a, I'd say common problem. It's plural with a Y S. Okay. And the reason I did that is that it's not one story. Uh, what we do is we work with communities, nonprofits, public agencies, businesses to help them tell their stories. Uh, and we help them tell them in an audio format like you have as what we call kind of mini podcasts or super tweets. Uh, our limit is 435 words because we think people's attention span is pretty short and we want to keep the experience short. We also want you to be looking at the thing that we're telling you about. And if you've passed it, we don't want you to be hearing about what you went by. We want you to be hearing it, what you're looking at. So we engage all the senses. So I wanted to use the plural S T O R. Y-E-S, but my name is S-T-O-R-Y. So I pluralized it just by putting an S on story. So my name is story and I added an S to it. So it is a little confusing, but I just couldn't see myself doing E-I-S when my name is S-T-O-R-Y. Well, I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well have your name in there. It's your creation. (laughs) Damn straight. (laughs) I've given this my heart and soul. I'm not going to cheat myself out of the name. When you are thinking about making a real estate decision, it's important to go with someone you can trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Bozoski at Pru Real Estate to personally handle a real estate transaction. The service and attention I received demonstrated I am important. Greg Pru started Pru Real Estate in 2002 with you, the customer in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call at 307-733-9888 or visit pru.com to connect today. Let them know you heard about them from Stefan, the podcast guy. Now, as technology has developed and improved, what a great vision to realize what the smartphone could do back then when it was first coming out. But as technology has improved, how has that helped you and the mission of Travel Stories GPS? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Well, I've always been a, I've always loved technology. Let me just start there. I've just been fascinated by it. And when I started Travel Stories GPS, as I said, there was no geolocation, no GPS on the phones. 
And I was, could not figure out how we were going to get these audio stories to launch when somebody saw something. And we, I talked to the park service. I talked to lots of people. Do we put up posts at locations? You know, how are we possibly going to do this and do it in a financially reasonable way? And in the end, GPS went on the phones and I went, oh my God, now I can do this. So uh, I really made my life, you know, much, much easier. Since then, uh, we constantly are innovating. I have a development team that every time we get a new tour sponsor, a client, we really think about ways to make their life easier using our technology and make their users' life easier. And just a great example is COVID. So um, we've always been able, you've always been able to, to experience our stories, our audio stories from anywhere in the world. So if you're there, you never touch your phone. The audio just comes on as you come upon a great story, a great location. But if you're not there, and COVID is a great example, and you want to be there, you're a frustrated traveler, you can get on your laptop and you can take the tours um, from your laptop. So that's where we've always been, but we've added some great new features for COVID. For example, we've added Street View. So let's say you want to take a tour of um, the village of, um, in New York City, or you want to take a tour of, uh, oh God, we have so many, we have over 150 tours. Um, we just put an amazing one up, up the Hudson in New York State. We have amazing ones in Colorado. We have 37 or 38 in Wyoming. If you want to take these tours, you can do it on Street View. So you basically turn on street view and you are standing there or driving there and you can move along and look all around you and listen to the audio at the same time. So you can get a complete virtual tour experience uh, right from your laptop. So we added that. We added uh, a new podcast feature so that you could wash the dishes and listen to tours of places you want to be without tapping through the sites We've added video so that you can, um, so that uh, tour sponsors can add little video clips rather than just um, having um, having images. Uh, we've added a whole bunch of things, and we keep adding because the world is changing, and people's expectations for how they absorb content is changing. And so, anybody has a great idea? I just got a, heard a great idea. This is something we're going to be adding. So I've heard this from several clients. Clients would like their users to be able to take a tour and take photographs along the tour and collect them as a scrapbook. Hmm. So we're going to be adding that. I mean, it's a great idea. You, you have your own um, little memory book of that tour that you took with images, and then you can post the whole thing or images on Instagram or whatever you want to do. So we hear these good ideas. We vet them. We make sure there really are good ideas, and we, we roll, roll with it with our technology. Can people end up getting that scrapbook printed so they have? Absolutely. That's cool. That's so that we don't have that yet. And if my developers are listening to, they're going to be rolling their eyes because we're deep into redesigning our app actually right now, the user interface. And in about uh, 10 days, it's going to have a whole new look. And we're very, very excited about that. So they're busy doing that right now. But, but that's next coming up in the next couple months is the scrapbook. So just an example of you know, our whole goal is to create an incredibly seamless, wonderful experience for the user. And hands-free is a great way. Once you've downloaded the tour, you never have to look at your phone again. The phone is a portal 
for great information as opposed to a distraction. And what we're trying to do for our sponsors is we're trying to enrich the experience of, of travelers so that they really engage where they are and not just with their phones. So as soon as you download the, let's say you, the downtown walking tour in Jackson, which is a wonderful tour of the historic sites in downtown Jackson. It's sponsored by the Jackson Hole Historical Society and Museum. You download that tour, you walk around town, and you would not believe the amazing stories of this downtown. You don't have to read a sign, you don't have to get a brochure, it's just all on your phone. Um, then we've got amazing tours with Grand Teton National Park Foundation in the parks. And we've got Highway 22 over to Idaho is a fabulous tour um, that's sponsored by the Jackson Land Trust. And that one actually has multiple channels. So there's a channel for kids. Mm -hmm. Your kids might like it. Uh, there's a channel for natural history and for history. And then there are local stories. So um, we can have these channels. They're called tracks. And we have different languages. The Nature Conservancy all around the United States is using our our tours, uh, our, our platform, and they're building in Spanish. We have Mandarin tours of Jackson Hole, even though that is not that applicable right now. Uh, eventually, we assume Chinese will come back here. And actually, the lodging board helped fund that because we wanted to do more than just tell the stories of Jackson. We wanted to tell the stories of sustainability here mm -hmm. and really use Jackson Hole as a kind of a, a megaphone out to people who come here, including the Chinese, that there are ways that you can run a small community with really good sustainability practices. And really, you can engage more deeply in this community, even if you're only here for four or five hours, as the Chinese are, mostly because they come by bus. So we're really trying to engage a whole population that comes here in a deeper way. And the lodging board and actually um, the Wyoming uh, Office of Tourism help fund that. And then, of course, it's on hold because uh, uh, because of COVID, but we hope to launch it again as soon as COVID's over. I love it. That's a lot. That's a lot to absorb <laughs> about what we do. Let me just say one more thing. Please. The passion and joy of this job, it's, I, I will say it's like no other, even though I've really loved all of the work that I've ever done in Teton County, but the, the stories and the creative storytelling and the way that stories are told by different communities, different organizations around the United States. I mean, we have a tour of Birmingham, Alabama that I, I tear up every time I hear it. Where my mom and grew up. Is that where you grew up? My mom grew up in Birmingham, oh. Alabama. Well, Birmingham has become one of my favorite cities. And we are about to launch a big new initiative in Birmingham because there's so many great stories to tell. So um, my family's part of my family's from the South too. So I, I recognize that, but we're, we're launching, we're launching an amazing tour uh, in Louisiana. We're, we, the uh, Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center in Austin, Texas. Well, that's beautiful. Fab fabulous tour we have there. But then again, up in the Catskills in New York state, we have an amazing tour of the scenic byway. So these stories will knock your socks off. They're so incredible. And, you know, I have to say some tour sponsors have more uh, professional stories than others, but there, there's a, sort of a wonderful thing about the authenticity of these local stories and how they're told and how you get a Southern voice in Alabama, but in New Jersey, you get a very different kind of narration. Um, so none of them are finely created um, podcasts like what you're doing here, but they have a wonderful authenticity to them. 
I'm very interested to hear your perspective of the beauty of Birmingham and how far back into history, into time, are you going with some of the stories? That's such a good question. So we have a new initiative, which is to tell Native American stories. So, you know, we are audio, we are storytellers, and we align and we, we are very tied to the land. And so we are very aligned in many ways with Native American culture. And um, so we have really gravitated to Native American communities to tell their stories. And we have a wonderful tour that is out for the Wind River Indian Reservation, written by the high school students at the Fort Washakie High School. And it's a route um, that if you, when you turn to go from Dubois down towards Lander, it's along that route. And we're building the second half and that's sort of a Shoshone part of the, um, the reservation. And now we're building an, more of an Arapaho set of stories with Arapaho students for another part of the, the reservation. So, so to answer your question, how far do we go back? Oh, and we're building other uh, Native American tours. We're building an incredible tour right now. It isn't quite signed. So um, the sign language of the Great Plains Indians is one of the rarest languages in the world. It's about the 12th rarest language. And we are building a tour of the sign language on our app. Now you might go, you have an audio app. How are you telling a sign language? Well, we do have video. And so we'll be doing video clips and then we'll be also telling the stories in English and a wonderful uh, Shoshone gentleman from the reservation is narrating them and actually showing the, the sign language. And then we're gonna also present it in Shoshone. So just to get back and answer your question, how far do we go back? Well, we have lots of stories about the geology and how the landscape formed. We have Native American stories. We have early settler stories, really all through time. Uh, we don't go back to the Big Bang, but we go back, <laughs> uh, we go back pretty far. And it's really based on what the landscape says. Like if the landscape has a funny looking mountain, uh, we will be sure to tell that story because it's what piques the user's interest. Downtown Jackson, it's the interesting um, architecture and uh, why is this the Wild West? So it's a lot of Wild West stories. So it really has to do with what's there, but every place has a story and we try to tell them uh, in an inspirational way. I am so intrigued and now want to, I will certainly download this that we can use it for the kids and whether it's a kid or adult oriented, my kids will love it. Just hearing about this because Wyoming is so remote that you do get into places and you don't even have radio reception. So to have some sort of story traveling along the road will be, will be fabulous. Um, yeah. And, you know, we have a lot of places to fill in still. Uh, we haven't done it all, but really our goal is to have an audio story, a mini podcast for every place you go. So that how, whether you're driving from Jackson to Chicago or wherever you're driving or if wherever you're hiking, you can, if you can imagine an audio map of the U.S. and you don't have to use it, but it's such an accessible way to learn about place and no brochures, no signs, no nothing. You just turn on your phone and you hear about place. So we have a long way to go and there, there are obvious stretches of, of road and that we don't have yet, but we're trying to coax tour sponsors into building them with us. 
and we actually are building a few ourselves too, but really the whole idea is to make, make place inspirational and, ex- and accessible through storytelling. It's accessible to everyone, not just to good readers, not just to English speakers, but really accessible to everyone. And you cover how many different countries? We are mostly focused in the U.S. We have uh, a few tours um, outside the U.S. There is a huge potential for us. We, as a matter of fact, I was just on a call this morning talking about South America. It is not as well interpreted as the United States and where cell phone use is even more uh, prevalent. So we are going to be heading out of the U.S., but you know, what every uh, entrepreneur mentor tells that entrepreneur, focus, focus, focus. And I need to really keep my, um, you know, bookends on and do a good job in the US. I mean, we have about 157 tours. Some of them are very long, some of them are quite short. uh, And we're building another 50 or so right now. And um, we need to just keep keep our head down a little bit. Now, if, if the government of Costa Rica comes to us and says, we want to build 50 tours with you in the next year, yes is the answer. But <laughs> uh, we're trying to stay focused. We're in 37 states and um, we have amazing return clients that come. We have a land trust in New Jersey, one in South Carolina that are building like their eighth and ninth tours with us. We have um, communities that are building multiple tours, doing them in Spanish and in different languages. So, you know, we're trying to, to keep an eye on what we're doing. If any of my investors or mentors are listening to this, I have to say again, I'm trying to learn how to focus, focus, focus. I think we're, we're all trying to learn how to focus, focus, focus. It can mm-hmm. benefit us in so many ways. Well, you just think about where we could go with our incredible technology, which by the way is patented, and our incredible team. And we have, our team is mostly based here in Jackson, but we have people in uh, New Zealand and Colorado and Massachusetts and Connecticut. We have just the best team you can imagine. I mean, really, I am so lucky. And you just imagine where we could go with this. There's all kinds of different ways we could use this kind of storytelling technology. I mean, imagine a grocery store. If, if all the things jumped out at you and told you what they were, it's not where we want to go. But uh, we are going indoors now and we're about to build, well, years ago, we built a great tour with the Jacksonville Airport. We're rebuilding that now and featuring some of their sustainability features. But you'll be able to drive into the parking lot, park your car, hear audio all the way. And when you get inside, you'll hear audio continue, continuously even though we don't have satellite connection, we've figured out how to do indoor, basically mimicking GPS triggering. Um, so we also have an indoor tour of the INL laboratory over in oh, near Ida. Arco, I, Idaho. There's a great little museum over there and you can drive, if you're really bored driving to Sun Valley, you can drive that route, hear the audio and then go inside their little museum. So we are getting into interior space, but we're very good at what we do and we want to stay very focused on providing our our clients and our tour sponsors with our services. Well, thank you so much for bringing to life the stories that are out there for all of these communities and it's that's how we learn. I, I love it. I love it. That's what I grew up doing is I, I grew up talking to my grandparents and hearing their stories and hearing their friends' stories. And my 
great aunts and great uncles and and i loved it and i think it's so exciting of what you're doing thank you thank you now give us all who are listening a reminder of how to find your website and what to look for how to find your is it an app they need to look for in the in a application store yeah so um our website is travel stories so it's travel the word travel the same word s-t-o-r-y-s so that's our website and if you go on that website www.travelstories.com you can listen actually and see all of our tours so they're all provided there plus you can learn how to reach out to us if you want to build a tour with us and so really everything is at that website if you want to actually use it in the field safely, uh, you should download the mobile app. So we're both web-based and we're mobile. And if you have an Android phone, you go to the Google Play Store. And if you have an iOS, you know, an Apple phone, you go to the Apple Store. And the app is free. And 90% of our tours are free. We do have a few incredible tours that you can buy. For example, people in Jackson Hole are likely very familiar with Gaper Guide. Yes. Which provides amazing audio tours of Yellowstone and Grand Teton and now um, uh, new, new national parks outside of Wyoming. And Will Ferguson, who's the owner of Gaper Guide, has moved his tours to our platform. But Will provides an experience like no other. You feel like you have Will sitting next to you in the car. He tells you absolutely everything there is to know on your drive up through Yellowstone, let's say. So it's a very immersive tour, way, way much more so than most of our other tours. Uh, He's holding your hand. He's practically taking you on the drive. And when you consider the constraints of having a guide in your car during COVID, and actually anytime, having Will virtually sitting next to you, uh, telling these stories. It's just incredible. And I'm not just selling the Gaper Guide tours here. I had not taken a Gaper Guide tour until Will put them on travel stories. And my husband, who is an amateur historian, we said, well, we don't need, there's nothing about Yellowstone or Grand Teton that we don't know or that we would want to know. We were so taken by the Gaper Guide tours. They are absolutely fabulous. So most of the tours are free, but it, when we when we're lucky enough to have a tour sponsor like Gaper Guide, uh, we do charge for it because it's Will's livelihood and he, you know, it's revenue for him. So it, that's how you find us: either download the app on your phone or use it on your laptop. And or do both. And um, that's how you find. And if anybody has any suggestions for us, we're really all about learning and getting new ideas and new tour sites. And, um, and then I just want to do one more thought here, which really, it, it, it takes a village. And Jackson Hole has been an incredible community for myself, my husband, and my children to grow up in. And the community has been incredibly supportive of this turn to be an entrepreneur. And there's tremendous support for entrepreneurs in this community through Silicon Coolwar and through the mentors and the people who've been successful here. I mean, you think about me, I was coming from a nonprofit background. Really, that's all I'd done in my career, except for a time with the county. And uh, really with the mentorship I've gotten, 
I've turned into an entrepreneur. Now, I always was an entrepreneur for, for nonprofits, but the business is very different. And I've really learned um, a lot about how to, how to do that and be successful at it. So this is an amazing community to, to launch a great idea. Story, thank you for providing the message that you just did, because reflecting back on the history that you gave, you wrote a book. You taught at Yale and Stanford an executive course on conservation finance. And yet you're still saying, I still want to learn because I don't know everything. And there's so much I can learn from others and teach others. I really appreciate you saying that because there's a saying out there that says the best learning experience is to actually teach. And because we can learn from our students, the people that we are teaching. So it, it certainly goes both ways. And, and I took the startup intensive with uh, Sandy Hessler and Liza Millett through the Silicon Coulard and Central Wyoming College. And it completely changed my perspective on business and challenged me to have more interpersonal reflection of who I am and really what it is I do and who I wanted to be and the impact I wanted to have on the people that I get to work with, that I have that honor to work with, but also the community, which I am able to conduct business in as well. It's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, it totally is. And, you know, I think I'm a very unusual app developer in that I'm an older woman both of which are not at all normal for the world that I'm in. But being a constant learner and being somebody who loves to be creative, there is huge value in coming into this market with some wisdom and with an attitude about learning. And so it's surprising. I do feel lonely at times uh, in this world, but being somebody who's so open to learning and yet having some learning under my belt, uh, which some of the you know, younger people don't have the way I have, uh, really, I think has allowed me to do something very unusual in the mobile app space uh, and to have a mission. And I just believe in having a mission in life and having my company have a mission has been very important to me. I, I, I appreciate you, you saying that. Now, if people want to reach out to you and connect or connect with your your company, what's the best way for them to do that story? Well, on the website, there's an easy way to do it, or they can reach out to me, story, S-T-O-R-Y, at Travel Stories, travel, S-T-O-R-Y-S, GPS.com. And, or however, I mean, it, we're, not, we're not hard to find. And <laughs> we have an amazing team uh, there in town, and I'm sure, you know, it's not hard to find us. Uh, we're we're here mostly. So, but check out our website, you leave a message there, give me a call, call me, um, send me an email. Love to get feedback. Perfect. Well, thank you for creating and documenting and sharing history and, and the stories of, of just place. I appreciate it. Well, you're absolutely welcome. And I could fill another podcast. So if you ever want to have me back, just ask away. I will certainly do that. Thank you, Story. Okay, okay take care. Thank you. You too. Welcome. Okay, bye-bye. To learn more about Story and Travel Stories GPS, visit the jacksonholeconnection.com 
episode number 125. Please get out there and share this podcast with folks that you love and appreciate. People love sharing, and I love you sharing this podcast. Reach out to me anytime that you want to connect, and the email address is easy. Connect at thejacksonholeconnection.com. Many thanks to everybody who continues to listen each week. I appreciate your support. Could not do this without my marketing director and editor, Michael Morey, without the support of my wife, Laura, and my boys, Lewis and William. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.